you everyone for coming along to the Lakes International Comic Art Festival. I hope you've had a, a good weekend or a, a good day, depending on how long you've been here. There's not going to be much time after this, and I think you know this is obviously the, the highlight and, and the climax that everyone was looking forward to. <laughs> but uh, you know, if you get a chance, there's been some incredible stuff here, some incredible creators to see, three of whom I have with me today all of which are, according to the program, are addicted to Dungeons and Dragons. So I'd like to welcome Cy Spurrier, Becky Clunan, and Andy Diggle. So I guess just to start things off and to, to give people a, a bit of background for you with D&D, uh, &D, when did you first become aware of Dungeons and Dragons, or if oh, we have Mike, uh, or if there was something that you found earlier, like if there was an RPG before that, and how does that compare to when you actually started playing? So did you just find out about it and dig right in, or, or were they separate events? Uh, I guess I first uh, discovered like the Red Box D and D Basic uh, back in the early '80s when I was, I guess, I was probably about ten or eleven years old. So I was very much the kind of Stranger Things kids, you know, that, it was that time, it was that age. Um, but I, yeah, I, after I got out of school, I, I, I stopped playing. Uh, and it wasn't until about five years ago when I decided that this is the thing that's really missing from my life, I want to get back into role playing. Uh, and it was before the fifth edition of D&D had come out, and so I, was, I ended up joining a, my local comic shop, had a, a group playing Pathfinder, so I piled into that. And then when fifth, fifth edition came out, we all much preferred it because it's less mathsy. Uh, I think for, for me what it was, it was uh, comics used to be my escapism, but when comics became my job, I don't want to read comics for fun anymore because I can't help, I can't switch off my work brain and I can't figure out, I, I can't, either like I don't like this or if I do like this I feel jealous that I'm not talented as well as making the good stuff. And so for me D&D has now become my new escapism where I just get to forget the real world completely. Um, so yeah, and, I, and now I do it twice a week. I kind of play every Sunday night and every Tuesday night. So as soon as I finish this, I'm going home to play D&D with my friends. So, sorry. <laughs> so that's me. Yeah, I have to miss my game tonight because I'm here. So we just decided to, we play on Sunday. So uh, taking, the, taking the week off. Um, I started playing in the, in the 90s um, during the, the great satanic panic. I don't know, did that make it over here? It was a very exciting time in America when everything was like, ooh, Satan. And um, I remember my I think my grandmother had those little comic strips that were like Jack Don't Chick play. Uh, yeah. comics. Don't yeah. Play. Okay, one the one that I read, and I was maybe like in, I was maybe like twelve or something. So it was kind of before I started playing D and D, but I was like a little aware of it. This one person's like, my character died, and then they killed themselves in the comic, and everyone's like, oh man, they killed themselves because their character died in game, and like Satan's like make them do this stuff, and I was like. I want to play that. That sounds really cool. Yeah, I was like, I gotta get into this. I gotta know more about this. And then I played a lot of like um, Japanese RPGs, like Battle Fantasy and Fantasy Star and stuff like that. So for I was like really into video games, um, and then would uh, make up my own like RPG systems with friends of mine, and we'd play like we do our own characters, and then we turn those into comics. Um, and then I had some friends. Uh, who also DM'd D&D games, and I would play that in high school. And the same thing, like in college, kind of fell off a bit, got immersed in like art school and you know stuff like that. And the same thing, like what you said, actually, I didn't even think about it like that, but now it is like become my escapism. Um, I think in almost every city I've lived, I've had a group that we've played together. Like when I lived in New York, I would do like one-off games with friends. But um, 
Yeah, it's just hard to get people together on a regular basis. <laughs> it's really the hardest part of this game. But I, I play Pathfinder as well. So, yeah. We, we need to talk about that. Whole, we've played the same campaign separately, so it's, it's interesting to see how like we've had experienced the same moments since the but they 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 end completely different. So like different. you guys saved the warhorse, right? And like Oz fell off the bridge. Yeah, we saved the horse. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, we named him Justin Bieber. <laughs> JB for short. Uh, I'm basically here under false pretenses because I, despite what the program may have led you to believe, I'm not addicted to D&D. We're going to get you in our party Well, now. this is, okay, so I've played it once and I loved it. I really loved it. So I guess uh, before I It's like heroin. Or crack, right? It's yeah. a, it's a gay way. Let me just ask, is there anybody here who has not played it or a, a similar RPG? A couple. I mean, there's quite a few. And anybody yeah. who's sort of just starting out who wouldn't say they were died in the wool? Few of those, and anybody who is literally hardcore every week. Yeah. <laughs> Not every week. So, okay, so, good every okay, so in that case, I, I will do my best to represent the noobs because I loved it. I want to do more. I recently moved house. I live in a new town. I feel like it might be the thing that allows me to access a new friendship circle. I'm a little boy, so I'm very lonely and very sad. So I'm kind of fascinated to know more about this. So I will ask questions on your behalf. <laughs> We, we could almost switch roles. I yeah, mean, yeah. we... we, we well, I see you play. You I, play? Well, yeah, and, and I was going to break my own rules for this one because I'm actually like, I'm going to talk about this as well. Mm. And hearing Andy's story, super similar to mine because I think I was about, like, 10 when I got the basic D&D Reds box set and, you know, it was incredible. I discovered it in a military bookstore because there was no such thing as finding, you know, gaming stores, at least not in Sydney uh, at the time. And uh, growing up, I never had any friends that would play it. So I would just go out and Could have and ended find... my sentence halfway through, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a counselling session. Um, and, and so what I would do is I would go and like read all the books. I'd go back and buy new books. Then I would find other uh, RPG games and systems and buy them just to read the rule books. I was really sad. And then I found uh, Fighting Fantasy. Does anyone know that stuff? They're like choose your own adventure books where you roll dice, which is the perfect alternative for if you don't have friends or friends who play D&D. So uh, yeah, that, that was my you know, way into that. And it was only later I've come back to like, oh, I really want to play that and people play it now and I've been able to find people. And in comics, weirdly, there's so much of it. Like I, I was looking for a good game for a while and now I'm potentially part of three games, one with some mainstream comics creators, one with small press creators, and then one with a group of sort of fans and journalists. So it, it really spreads through comics. It's, it's an interesting little world. So I, I guess, what was the allure and, and the appeal of it for you guys? I think Becky sort of touched on the, the romantic angle of these Jack Chick Comics where it's sort of like, you know, morbid teens who like, he hung himself because of a character. Yeah, it's like, you know, when someone tells you don't do this thing, when you're a kid, you're like, I gotta do this thing. It's just, you know, you're just, it makes you want to do that even more. You know? Yeah. I mean, Andy, you know, for yourself, you know, coming in very young with it, how, what was it that, that drew you in? And do you remember how you actually found it? What, I, I think I think it was just seeing other kids playing it in like the sort of school library or something like that at, uh, at lunchtime, and I was kind of like, "What is this?" And like there was the older kids would play like advanced D and D, 
back in those days, and that was just like way too complicated. Because I was never interested in the kind of like the rulesy side of it. Mm. Like I basically played with my two best mates in school, and like funnily enough, I've recently got them back into it, even though we're all <laughs> old and wizened now. Um, but uh, it was. I, for me, it was the improvisational side of it, and it was it would, things would always descend into complete chaos. But it wasn't about like you know armor class and hit points and number crunching and all that stuff. It was more about just the, the random nonsense we would get up to, and coming up with kind of lateral solutions to problems. I've discovered. I mean, lots of uh, people like lots of different things about role playing. I've got some friends who are like really into like vampire. Type, uh, like masquerade type uh, games which are all about kind of social intrigue and everybody hanging out and being sarcastic with each other whereas I've discovered that what I really like I like I like the kind of character improv side of it but I kind of I like goals and obstacles you know like it and I realize it's kind of for me and this comes back to the, the, the link to comics it's kind of storytelling but it's improvisational group communal storytelling uh, but I think in order to make, <coughs> to make it compelling to me I still want to have like a goal to achieve, like a thing we're trying to get. Not necessarily, you know, treasure or something. It could just be getting the truth out of a person or, you know, win somebody's heart or whatever it is. But you need a goal and then you need obstacles getting in the way. And with the vampire games, it was just everybody just hanging out. And I'm like, why are we here? What is it we're trying to do? And like stories, of course, need goals and obstacles too. You know, like, you know, Indiana Jones needs to get a lost ark, but the Nazis are in the way or whatever it is. And I kind of realized that the fun in role playing for me comes from coming up with lateral solutions. It's not just to kill the monster and take its stuff. It's kind of like, okay, well, what if we kind of make friends with the monster and then trick it, or, you know, and then convince it to go and get these other guys, and we'll, oh, whatever, just kind of lateral mm. thinking. And it's usually something that the DM didn't see coming, and he's kind of like, the good DMs will be like, okay, let's go with that and see what happens, roll for it, you know. And it will lead you down these, you know, sometimes down these really bizarre tangents, but, but it's always funny when you do that, I think. Mm. That was a slightly rambly answer, wasn't it? So do you, yeah, yeah. Just, do you feel like there's something to be said for it being a simplified version of life? In as much as you can reduce it down to a goal adventure. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you can be whatever you want it to be. Different people like different things, like I say. So, you know, um, and like, I think a big part of it is finding the right group. Because different players might want different things, and they might have different play styles. So when you find the right blend of where everybody kind of gets along together, but a simplified version of life? I mean, let's face it, life is utterly pointless and meaningless, isn't it? And we find meaning in fiction, and we can apply meaning to games and so on, but... But it's, it's a, the ultimate escape, right? Here sure. we are, we're floundering around in this complex world where the wrong people are in charge, and we're all constantly afraid, and you can sort of switch off for a little. I mean, that's what... Again, your question was, what draws you to it? And I haven't played very much, but what draws me to it is all the things that I don't have in my life. Like a sense of community, a sense of simplicity, a sense of shared storytelling. But yeah, I just, um, I kind of want the unadulterated inhabitation of a character. I think, like, speaking for myself, emotionally constipated Brit, if somebody starts doing something earnest, I get very uncomfortable. I want to make a shit joke about it and be sarcastic. So the idea of sitting around and you're all pretending to be something you're not, to me, that makes me feel quite uncomfortable. And yet, the one time I did that, it just happens naturally. It's incredibly freeing. It's almost like you know, like an emotional safe space yeah. where you get you get the play, and it makes you very vul emotionally vulnerable. If you're you're just playing, you're putting on a funny voice, or you know, but because everybody around the table is also sharing in that kind of communal fantasy, then. This is almost like unspoken agreement. Okay, nobody makes fun of each other. I mean, we'll all laugh together when something ridiculous happens, but it does require a certain trust in each other, I think. And that's kind of just really healthy to just kind of let it out. And I want and, that. I want yeah. that in my life. And some people, you know, some, again, it comes to 
who you want to play with. I mean, some people want to indulge their worst fantasies and play chaotic, evil characters doing horrible stuff. You know, I don't want to play with those guys. I find I always want to do the right thing. You know, different characters will have different ways of doing that. They might be kind of chaotic or whatever. Um, but I, talk, I mean, coming back to your point about like, you know, how, how does it apply to reality? I think part of the appeal is that in a game you feel like you can actually make a difference. There might be yeah, like, let's face it, our, you know, our world is kind of you know trash fire at the moment. Uh, and in the game, you kind of feel like, okay, well, you know, these dark forces are threatening the world, but we can actually do something about it. And you actually feel like you're kind of making a difference. And, you know, I, I want to play characters who are kind, as well as being brave and handy with a sword or whatever, you know. And it kind of feels like you, you're making the world a better place, even though it's a fantasy world. Yeah. <laughs> each, each game that we have, we, it always feels kind of like a group therapy session almost. Um, I play with my partner. His younger brother is our DM. His older brother is our druid. And then we've got two other friends that we grew up in the same small town and we just all ended up back kind of in this group somehow in like a weird way. Um, and everyone's kind of goes through stuff and like we've been playing the same campaign for three years, every Sunday, almost every Sunday. Um, and it's everyone's going, we've seen like bad things happen and people's lives kind of get upheaval and turned around, but it's nice to have that two to three hours Every Sunday, we kind of hang out, talk through a little bit, like what's going on. It's like, let's fucking roll some dice, man. We play online too, so we're all in different spots. It's really nice to have that like thing that you do every week. You can kind of put everything else aside, and then for this part, and then of course, like in the game, every you know you work out things too. You know, there's some you can always. We, we made a zine about it, and of course, everyone's brought like all their baggage to the <laughs> scene. <laughs> it just ended up being like kind of uh, like a team building exercise. I also like thinking of, um, you know, I used to play music in high school for like the school band, nothing like crazy. It was like, I played flute and piccolo and clarinet. And then people are like, oh, you don't play music anymore. I'm like, well, yeah, but I put all my skill points into drawing. So I always kind of like think of it like that. Like every time I gain a level, I'm like, put it into drawing, like do more drawing. So kind of. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting, like the talking about the sort of comparisons with life and the escapism and whatever, it's become that sort of uh, thing for lots of people, it's not really mainstream, so it's not surprising that you've got a room full of people that are either sort of aware and interested or already playing, because um, one of the things I do just to, to try and avoid a little bit of work, and hopefully no one from my work will hear this, but I, I get this life hacker newsletter every day, I don't know if you know this website, and it's just sort of little silly articles that can be a little bit insightful and it occupies my first 20 minutes in the morning just like oh, that's interesting while well, I have my coffee and lately they've had a whole slew of like D&D articles <laughs> and it's sort of you know how to uh, you know the, the etiquette for getting rid of someone in your group if they're you know problematic or uh, that's, you know, a, that's always hard <laughs> yeah and it, it goes through all these things but I'm like this is just gone totally mainstream this is sort of a you know, all right, this is life hacking now, and and D&D is a part of life for so many people. Um, so I, I know for you, Andy, you do a bit of uh, DMing, or or maybe a lot of it. But I, I was curious for each of you, and and I guess Sai, this may be not as relevant yet. But um, do you prefer being a, a player or a, a DM, and how much have you dabbled between those worlds? Well, I, I much prefer playing to DMing. I have kind of crushing social anxiety, uh, and being the DM kind of like, uh, it's kind of puts a weight of responsibility on me that I find quite stressful. But I, you know, I want to make sure everybody has a good time. And also, I'm terrible with the, the rules. Like, as, you know, stuff I know as soon as I'm actually 
got everybody staring at me saying what happens next then my mind just goes blank you know for, for the for the number crunchy side of it and it's all, all of the it's the mathematical side of you know keeping track of everybody's initiative and you know they're within five feet of that monster therefore i've got to remember they've got to roll a constitution save because it smells really bad or whatever it is and i forget all that detail stuff but when it comes to the just the, the improv side of it I, I love doing the voices for the npcs and this kind of thing and, and really getting into character motivations and so i love that but yeah i'd, I'd much prefer to play but I've, I've also recently made the mistake of getting you know my you know, non-gaming friends into it um, you know, basically my, my, my mates from the pub, who, who are mostly kind of comic people or creative in some way or other, uh, sort of, a, I've, I've got them into it by DMing some games for them, and now they keep pestering me to run more games, so I've kind of like made them right for my own back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but like for me, uh, I'm, I'm playing two different characters a week, uh, and uh, it's, I just, I just want to, I, I would much rather play than DM. Yeah. Becky? Uh, I think I'm, I've run games before, but I think I'm better at sitting back and being like a player. Uh, so again, it's like some of it's the rules thing, some of it's just like, I just don't, like our DM like does so much for our group. Like he spends like Saturday setting up, you know, setting things up and it's just like, I'm like man, I just don't have, to, I don't know if I have time to DM. But I think when I get home, I'm gonna try to run one of these like queen games. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know, I feel like, uh, I had something to say and I just totally lost it, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got less to say. I mean, I assume you can't just go straight in as a DM, right? You're going to spend a little bit of time playing. You should play first. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm conflicted. Uh, as, a, as a person whose job is creative, I feel like to set myself the task of DMing would probably be quite creatively drained because you have to really put a lot of thought into that, right? And time, energy, all the rest of it. That said, I worry that I'm too much of an arrogant smartass to play somebody else's game, and I would be constantly trying to undermine it or, or game the system. Is that a thing that happens? Oh, we do that all the time. I, I feel so bad for, for Steve, our DM. <laughs> we're constantly, like, after we're game, we're like, like, oh, that game was great, we're so sorry, set. Steve. You should totally play a bard, because there are these certain kinds of bards who have this kind of cantrip where you just basically give people psychic damage by being really sarcastic <laughs> to them, and I think you could totally pull that out. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I had an interesting revelation uh, preparing for this panel today, which was actually really big for me, because I was thinking about this question myself and going, I, I prefer to be a player, I think. Um, and, you know, as a kid, as, as we said, because, you know, Sonic thinks I have no friends or, or didn't. But uh, anyway, I, I would sort of create campaigns purely for, you know, the fact that there was no way I could play them with anyone or, or had anyone that would create them for me, so I would create these worlds. But in, in preparing for today, I was like, actually, what I do here is a form of DMing because there is sort of a, a story that I try to create and in a way I try to lead us, but you know, the players, you, you guys, will change the way it might go throughout. And so I might try to keep a, a through thread, but uh, it, it doesn't always work and sometimes we end up in interesting places. There are certain rules we have to adhere to, such as time and, and what have you, but. Uh, yeah, it feels very much like that experience, which, yeah, I, I don't know, that, that kind of hits me. It feels like a, an invitation to derail you totally. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to jump up and start doing board villain. <laughs> oh, there's, there's been plenty of people that have done that. Yeah, I, I mean, those are the good ones, though. You know, I have one question on my list that I ask, and then we just get into this deep conversation about other things. But uh, no, we're, we're going to keep this one roughly on track.
It, it was interesting, though. Um, and, and I guess I, I wanted to find out as well, Andy, for you, because, as, as Becky had referenced, you've done this uh, module, The White Queen, which is, is for uh, the Lakes Festival here and for charity. So can you tell us a little bit about that and, and the yeah, creative sure. process? Well, have, has, has anybody here found the dungeon room at the top of the brewery yet? Only a handful of you. Okay. Was no, it the correct it's... one? Uh, so, sorry? <laughs> Was it the correct one? Yeah, not the, we don't talk about the other dungeon. Um, yeah, okay, so at the very top of the brewery, if you, you might have seen some blue 20-sided dice stickers on the walls around the Brewery Arts Centre. They're pointing you to the very top of the building where there's this dungeon room where there's a bunch of artists who are uh, selling you know, D&D-inspired artwork and so on. And you can also buy this, The White Queen, which is a D&D adventure that I've written uh, for, this, uh, for, for the show. This artwork is by Becky. Uh, thank you very much for letting us use your art, Becky. And we got art by a bunch of other really cool guys like Max Dunbar and Jock are in here. Uh, and all of the proceeds from the sale of the adventure are going to charity, a uh, mental health charity called OCD Action, which is one of the partner uh, organisations of the show. So uh, even if you're not interested in D&D, uh, well, first thing, if so, why are you here? But, you know, buy one for yourself, buy one for, for you know, your, your family or your mates who are into D&D, because &D, it all goes to a good cause. Uh, I tried, I designed it so that you don't even need to have the rule books. There's a link to the free basic rules PDF at the beginning of the adventure, so everything you need, you can just download for now. Awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, yes, I'd also designed to be, like, very, very simple and straightforward for new players. There's nothing you because everything's in the basic rules, so that kind of very li much limited which particular kinds of creatures we could use and which spells, because we don't want to infringe copyright, which kind of narrowed it. But that in itself was an interesting challenge, like, you know, the boundaries suddenly narrowed in terms of what we could do. Um, but yeah, well, I had so much fun writing it, I kind of realized I spent like two weeks doing nothing but write this adventure when I was supposed to be writing comics, and I'm kind of like, okay, I'm just gonna write some more D&D stuff, because this is cool. The next time I'm gonna do it for me, and I'm gonna keep all the money. <laughs> so, so I guess you'll be heading back up there after this panel, so people could come and get copies from you then. Uh, well, my friends Phil and Katie, who are the guys I play with every week, are up there selling it uh, all weekend. Uh, right. So, and I've signed a bunch of. I could, I'd, I'd be happy to pop up and join people if they want to want to go check it out. But yeah, they they have stacks of them on the table there. And Phil, who is my Tuesday night DM, uh, is all weekend. He's been teaching kids uh, how to play D and D. They're doing these kind of tasted sessions, like half hour games, at least. Twisting the minds of impressionable youth, which I think is what it's all about. Okay, so everyone should head up to the dungeon after the panel. And Follow and the blue D20 dice on the walls. Like up to the dungeon. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of upside down. Upside down. Yeah, and and then not to speak for our panelists here, but if they were inclined to sign, maybe they'd go up there as well, and then encourage right. everyone to follow. But we shall see what happens because people have things to do that are you know other than just signing endlessly. <laughs> um, so you mentioned the rules there, and I, I, I was kind of curious for each of you how you feel about sort of rules and rule sets. Do you fall down on particular editions and you're like, well, you know, I'm 3.5 all the way, or, you know, I hate that and I'm fifth edition, or I go back to AD&D second edition. Is this something that <coughs> is, is important to you and are you a bit of a stickler when it comes to rules? Out for this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we play Pathfinder, which is very, I don't know, like chunky. There's a lot of rules, there's a lot of dice rolling, there's a lot of math, but we play it all online on Roll20, which is nice because you can just push a button and then it's like, oh, all the math is done for you as long as you input all of your stats correctly. Um, so that makes it pretty easy. Uh, and I think our party is like, half of us really like doing the crazy 
kind of fun stuff like adventures and then there's a few people on the party who really like the number crunching and the combat systems and the technical you know battlefield details and stuff like that which is also fun so we have like a pretty good after playing it for so long we've kind of had a we have a nice balance between the two um yeah i uh, i've played fifth edition which i quite like i think it's like a great time for dungeons and dragons i think in part because they released fifth edition which is such a streamlined easy to get into kind of if you know like the basic rules it's it's very easy to pick up so i think we're seeing a lot more people involved in part because they made like a new system that's just much more accessible to people and i think now that everyone from like our generation growing up who might have played a little bit you know in high school or didn't have like access to like a group or always wanted to play but like you know you had the books but you never had the opportunity to play. Well, now it's like every you know we're all adults now, right? <laughs> yeah. we, and we know what we're doing, and now and so now it's a thing where it's like, well, now we can let's fucking play some TNT. Excuse me, let's play some Dungeons and Dragons, everybody. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know if it's just a thing because we've you know, uh, it's always something that we've wanted to do but we're never able to. And all the podcasts and stuff that are out now, like yeah, that crazy. stuff's crazy. And it's so nice, too, because people who can't play, they're like, oh, but I listen to these podcasts. So it's kind of like you get to be involved in this story, and you get to like follow along and be a part of the adventure, but you know, you, maybe you don't have people around who can play every week, or you don't have the time yourself, or in a good spot to like dedicate the time to playing all the time. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I'd ever want to do a podcast of my adventure, because I don't want to have to feel like I'm performing. <laughs> I don't want to be performative. I like being like a dumb little group where we can like, Kind of just. You better go stupid little in jokes. We have dumb in jokes. Like I don't think I'd be good on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'll come back to asking you about the the rules in a minute. But I was going to ask later on about how you all felt about the the podcasts that were coming up and and the you know YouTube things where people would go and watch other people play. I mean. For me, it's a little bit like watching a reaction video. I don't want to see how someone else responds to something. I just want to see the something and have my own reaction. Yeah, but the, the then they're ridiculously it. popular, you know. Yeah, well, we live in a world where one of the most popular TV shows is a show of people watching other TV shows. And mm -hmm. every child loves watching people opening boxes on YouTube. We're, we're, you know, we're in Wonderland now. We're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, it has been crazy seeing the, the rise of Critical Role, you know, because I, I, I tend not to, you know, listen to podcasts and stuff, you know, when I don't have three hours spare, you know, I'm a dad, I've, I've got three hours spare to listen to somebody else play D&D &D or whatever, but what I have noticed is going to Comic Cons, you know, instead of dressing up as superheroes, people are dressing up as D&D &D characters you know, from Critical Role, and, you know, the artists giving, doing sketches, they're all Critical Role fan art and, you know, badges and stuff, and it's kind of like, Wow, this really has gone mainstream. And I'm, you know, I was the kid in the '80s who got, you know, like people, you know, the 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 nerds, the, the the jocks in school would kind of make fun of me for liking like really nerdy stuff like Star Wars and comic books, you know. And nowadays it's just kind of like it's everywhere, you know. Star Wars and comic books have kind of conquered the world, and it feels like D and D is the like the kind of last bastion of like the geekiest geeky thing you could possibly be into as a kid, and now it's suddenly popular as well. And it's kind of like, it's really weird. It's kind of like, everybody's doing this now. Do you think we end up the other way around, where like the kid who's really into football gets put into this? <laughs> yeah, maybe so. You know? I don't so want to play D&D. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm scared. I don't think I'll be any good at that. <laughs> <laughs> they never pick me on the teams. 
So have, have you kind of crossed over to that realm, Becky? Like you've done your zine about your, uh, you know, Pathfinder group, so yeah. not to suppose the D&D, but um, at, you're sort of presenting the characters almost sort of as celebrities in a way and giving that narrative so that people can vicariously live through your party. So, yeah, you know, it's not a YouTube video, but it's, it's suddenly this, this zine doing that. Yeah, and it's really, it's fun because it's the whole... Like, we, we've played the same, the, the zine that, the campaign that my zine is based on is the Rise of the Rune Lords campaign from Pathfinder, which you've played. Yeah. So it's kind of a fun thing for people who have, like, come around and, like, seen and played the, the campaign. They'll go and be like, oh, man, you know, I remember Sandpoint, or, like, I remember, like, these places and characters and stuff like that from the game. And then it's kind of fun to see, like, well, what did you do with it? And, like, how did you, um, I, I think... Uh, I don't know why we did that. I think I just had an idea. I was like, oh, we should do like a little, a little thing because I like to make you know more work for myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it just became a thing that like you know during games we would just you know kind of sketch our characters or sketch out things or be like, oh, this might be like a fun page for the scene, and we just like put it together over the course of like seven or eight months mm -hmm. of like just doodling in our spare time. Well, and it reflected what you were saying before. You were saying, well, there's people that really like the math part of it yeah. and the numbers, and then they're more into their character and their motivations. So you'd have some character pages that were just not overwritten, but, but incredibly wordy, you know, yeah. and then others where it was, there was a paragraph, and then there's just all these big numbers everywhere. And, yeah. and it was so sort of like, okay, uh, you can start to get a feel for these people even from just that simple page. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was good, and I I hadn't seen the zine until you know we were planning for this panel, and it was sort of mentioned, and I said, oh, could you you know send me the, the, the copy to have a look at, and I really enjoyed it, and this is gonna sound wrong, and I don't know how to put it the right way, but I was like, whenever I see one of your comics, I know it's always gonna be this is gonna be so well written, so well drawn, it's it's gonna be perfect and beautiful. And then you get this. <laughs> well, and then, and then I get this, and it's like this is so roar and raucous and um, like brilliant in its own way so so I almost enjoyed it more because it was different you know and obviously it was a collaborative thing which comics often are but it was a different sort of collaboration so yeah there, it, it was fun to kind of there was six of us working on it uh, and so many people you know a lot of the guys in the group hadn't ever drawn before or, or aren't you know they're like well I don't know if I can do this I've never made a zine, I don't know what, you know, it's like, just, you just gotta do it. You just gotta make something, even if it's just a couple pages, just for fun, you know, mm -hmm. like we're doing it for fun. And then of course it turns into a giant mountain of work. <laughs> but hopefully the idea is like when you read it, you're getting little bits of story and little character moments. And by the end, you've gotten a, a weird, but kind of concise story, you know? Yes, which is gonna be the summary of this panel, a weird, but concise story, <laughs> weird, I hope. Yeah. I'll try and remember that one, but uh, I guess, so uh, quickly to ask, with the zine, do you have copies that people could buy off you? I've got a couple left. Um, I I guess I could go upstairs. I really have to eat. I haven't eaten all day. I'm so hungry right now. Well, there we go. That's not going to happen, <laughs> folks. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I have a couple. I just did a signing before this, so I had them out there, but I've got a little box here if anyone's curious. It's right, yeah, right over there. Um, so I've got all my books. All, my worldly, all my worldly possessions in that box. <laughs> So, Andy, coming back to the rules and you, how, how do you feel about that? I think you sort of alluded to it before, but 
You're you're not as enthused about the the, the math part. Yeah, well, just because it's not it's not a, a lack of enthusiasm. It's just I'm really terrible at maths. You know, unfortunately, uh, my DM for Sunday games like a physics graduate. He's got like you know he, he he he's really good at like optimizing all of the mathematical stuff, but also very good at the, the improv role playing side. So it's kind of a perfect blend. But yeah, we played Rise of the Rune Lords, same campaign as you're playing uh, in Pathfinder before Fifth Edition came out. Uh, and I had a lot of fun with it, but by, by the time you get to like 18th level, just leveling up your character is kind of takes me about like an entire weekend because it's so complicated, you know. I love that stuff. <laughs> but for that, for the so we we completed that. I won't spoil the ending for you, but we, it's like it'll well, be it's different. Like, we, be different. We totally saved the world. Okay, I'm just saying we totally saved the world. We're gonna um, do it too. For the, there's, there's a sequel campaign called Jade Region, also in Pathfinder, in which it has features the same NPCs and Sandpoint and stuff. Um, but yeah, and you might have played new characters who start at level one. But because we had so much fun with it, we wanted to keep playing the same characters at level eighteen. So Doug not only ported the whole thing across to, to fifth edition D and D. So like instead of Pathfinder, but it's but the campaign itself is basically the story of, of Jade Region, uh, and we're also now all doing it at eighteenth level. Um, and the weird thing, can I say that? Yeah, I, I don't want to, something happens that I don't want to spoil because you haven't played this yet. But I, I, there, there's a non-player character in, in the campaign Becky's playing at the moment who my character ended up marrying. Oh yeah, she, she won't let us in. She bent, we can't drink at her establishment anymore. Yeah. Like, our group is called the Moss Babies. She's like, no Moss Babies allowed me. <laughs> We were just mean to her. Like, I'm playing a charming swashbuckler. I totally yeah. charm the pants off her, and now we're married. And we have kids. <laughs> Our rogue trade to charmer did not work. It did not work. He went on a date with her and everything. My mate Dave is playing Shalilu, the elf ranger, yeah, in, yeah. in the sequel. And so when he got, he saw that you had drawn her in your zine, he was yeah. like, oh my god, that's me. <laughs> I feel bad. We kind of just ditched her. She, we like, left her somewhere. She does like, have no sense. She goes, like, oh, she's back. Like, like, oh. She's hunting goblins or something. Oops. <laughs> it's all like... The only thing I can relate this to is listening to a bunch of guys talking about a stag night they went to. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that there was a pub in the middle, but they wouldn't let us in. They got married. <laughs> it gets funny. It gets funny because the romance stuff. It's like with within the party. It's just we don't normally go there. And it just ends up being like a dumb thing to do. But like they went on a date. Like and it's you know. Uh, Dave, who played our rogue, and then Steve DMing it, and everyone's just sitting there, like, just making bad jokes while it's happening. <laughs> and it's just the two of them being, like, super awkward about this. <laughs> well, and, and that's got to be the storytelling element of it, you know, and that's something yeah. that the DM gets to do. For, for you guys as players, do you find that your natural inclination as storytellers is a help you know, because you're creating the narrative together or does it get in the way? Well, what I find, I love, I love games where there's a slight mystery element, which is one of the things these Pathfinder campaigns are really good at. They, they're very good at the kind of like big picture thing. You can follow the clues to find out what's really going on behind this mystery or whatever. Uh, because I can't switch off my narrative sense. So always, every time we get some clue or whatever, I'm like, oh, clearly this is connected to that. And I'm trying to figure out what the evil bad guy's plan is. And half the time I'm wrong. Actually, more than half the time I'm wrong. But I, do, I find that really engaging. I want to try and figure it out. I don't just want to, you know, fight stuff and take uh, treasure. Uh, I, I kind of, I, it's that aspect of trying to figure out how everything connects. And I find that that's something I find very satisfying. So when, when I want to when I get around to writing some new adventures, I'm thinking it'll probably will have like a quite a big sort of mystery or intrigue element to it because uh, I really, I re I personally, that's the stuff I like to play. Mm. Yeah, I quite like that a lot too. But our party's also very bad at solving the mysteries. We get distracted really easily. Um, so even though there's this big story and you finished it, but it's taken us three years and like I think we're maybe halfway through because we get distracted. We have to like oh cater a party or like oh our rogue 
beat someone, he has assaulted someone on a, on a boat, so now we have to defend him on in trial. So we will have like, and our, our DM will bring in like guest people to be like, Oh, the the prosecution lawyer or something like that because <laughs> we because we go, we have trial. <laughs> well, uh, a lot of the time, the, the most fun bits are where you just go completely off script and yeah. something random happens. You know, like we're, we're in, a, in a, another game we were playing a couple of weeks back. Uh, we we're, we're playing pirates, okay, uh, but we were in the city of Waterdeep for some reason investigating a thing. Uh, and my friend Katie, who's like the druid in the party, she got the wrong end of the stick over what was going on. We we're investigating this mysterious lord who we think was a bad guy, and we we're talking to another lord to try and get some clues out of him. She, she got the lords mixed up, so she basically nuked him with this kind of like, you know, seventh level necromancy, kill everything spell, and basically to vaporize them on the spot. And we were kind of like looking around and going, Katie, what did you do? She was, like, what? She was the bad guy. Like, no, he wasn't. <laughs> so she basically just flat out murdered one of the lords of Waterdeep. And we were like, we were like so wanted and hunted by everybody. And so the, for two weeks, the entire game got derailed by basically having to spring Katie's character out of prison. Um, which led to, to my previous comment about snake <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm not going to talk long about this, but I have to tell you about Ziggy. Ziggy is um, our ranger's albatross companion. Ziggy single-handedly one-shot killed a level six wizard who was uh, <laughs> we were raiding the prison wagon. Uh, all of the forces of Waterdeep were trying to stop us. Uh, there was this sixth-level wizard was uh, cast a fly spell on himself. Was like hovering like a hundred feet above this carriage we'd just knocked over. Uh, Ziggy hit him right between the shoulder blades with a full-speed beak attack, broke concentration on his fly spell, and he fell like 200 feet straight into this overturned on-fire carriage that we just put, and just boom, okay, that guy's dead. So yeah, world's hardest albatross. <laughs> it, we, we, we didn't stop laughing for like 10 minutes, it was perfect. He's like, he's the MVP, Ziggy. So you've had a little bit of experience so far, haven't you? You've had a little bit of playtime. Did you find that, that your story natural storytelling was getting in the way, or were you able to really just invest with, with what you were doing there? Well, this is, I've sort of referred very briefly to this earlier on. My, my assumption was that I was going to be very awkward and very self-aware and very self-conscious, and then when the story started, I would spend the whole time going, oh, that's clearly a signpost to what's going to happen in the next, you know, and sort of looking for the clues and trying to game the storyteller. And it just didn't. Um, I by some alchemy, stopped being a prick for five minutes and actually started enjoying myself and just being honest about the fact that I'm on a journey and I have a small amount of agency, but mostly I'm devolving my responsibility to the storyteller. And, and it was wonderful. And that's why I want to do more, because it's not me to, mm. to be that relaxed about being controlled by somebody else. I think some of it is like, you know, you're a good friend. You know, when you're on a, I'm talking about you, you know, you, uh, as part of a party, you have to work together and you, you don't want to just get in there and just be like a jerk, like mess up the game, you know, all of a sudden you're like in it together and like, even our DM who's like controlling the situation, he's part of the group and he's part, he, we're all part of the story that's being told. And as someone, you know, you, yeah, it's, it would be easy to get in there and kind of like throw a wrench and things and like kind of mess things up for people. But once you get in there, you realize you don't want to do that. Mm. You want to see this through like, okay, I'm invested. I've got a character. I spent all this time making this character sheet. Here we are. Like, let's go. Mm. And I, it's interesting because I guess that sort of reflects maybe the, the relationship between creators and their audience as such, you know, in that you're the DMs of the, the work that you create and then the, the, the audience of people who read it are perhaps in some ways players, you know, maybe not as directly relating to you, but they're investing into what, what's happening there. 
And I was curious, on the flip side of, of talking about how your storytelling impacts on your gaming, how does your uh, gaming impact then on your storytelling? What have you taken out of it to, to put into your work? How has it changed or influenced your, your comics and other work? Well, I, I find that I kind of put more effort into working out the kind of personality and backstory of the characters I'm playing in a game than I do the characters <laughs> I'm writing in a comic. And I've kind of realised this fairly recently. It's like, okay, maybe I should, you know, work on that. But um, but yeah, I kind of I've, I've started kind of gamifying, when I, especially when I'm trying to plan like a big story that's got an element of world building to it. That I found that actually kind of approaching it like, what if this was a game, uh, helps me to. <coughs> Like, like I said before about you know goals and obstacles because story you know like characters and stories need goals and obstacles but they also need tactics mm. uh, and I think that the tactics that a character uses to achieve his goal shows you who the character is you know like you know let's say you've got for example Thor and Loki are both trying to get a thing out of a vault or something like that they've both got the same goal and obstacle but the tactics they use will be very different one involves big hammers and the other is going to involve illusion or trickery or deception or whatever it is. And so the tactics they use kind of, and this is a very kind of spoiled down, simplified way of approaching it. But you know, that, that's something that I've, I've found applies very much both to, to, to games and to, to writing. Uh, I want to talk about gamifying I'm, you know, in world building. I'm specifically thinking of The Expanse, which I'm a huge fan of, um, which started off as like a plan for an, like a, an online RPG. Uh, where you've got you know these different kind of like you know uh, sort of power blocks around the solar system, they've all got different goals and obstacles, but they're really kind of equally balanced in different ways. And then when they turned it into an actual narrative for the book series and the TV show, you can kind of see that that, that kind of well balanced but different opposing teams almost, uh, as if it's kind of somehow gamified. But then because everything's well balanced, then the, the choices of the the heroes, I mean, like the player characters because anything they do will therefore have huge repercussions because anything they do will knock the, not change the balance one way or the other. You know? mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but yes, yeah, so basically, uh, I've started approaching my characters as if, as if they were game characters uh, in, because it helps me to figure out, be able to inhabit them more somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Becky, you have got, you, I mean, obviously you've done the zine, so it's, it's reflected out from there, but maybe yeah. in other ways as well. Um, I, I think I, I mean, I constantly use like the alignment chart <laughs> in my head. I've always done that. Like what alignment is this character kind of helps you determine what kind of decisions that they might make. Um, I don't know if my, my RPG life has really bled into like my comic life that much. Um, yeah, I don't know if I, but I like the idea of you know, putting more effort, like, more <laughs> into your characters. Because I do, I put a lot of effort into, like, building my character. It's mostly the sheet. But, yeah, I don't, I can't, I can't say, I'd have to really think about that one a little more. I don't know if it's nothing that I can think of, but, like, maybe mm. somewhere underneath. I mean, I did make a zine about it, so who knows. Maybe it's my comics influencing my D&D playing. Maybe the process is just beginning. We should be doing this panel in like 20 years' yeah, time and then, and then be sort of re reflective. And, and by later. then, Cy will most definitely be addicted and be like, yeah. I have so much to say. <laughs> yeah. And we'll have finished Rise of the Room Roots by <laughs> well, and I, I do like that idea, and I was going to ask, but you, you've already answered it, about whether any of you have gotten nerdy enough to start using a character sheet for creating your characters that you use in comics or whatever. Because I actually think you have to put so much thought into that that it's, it's almost the, the thought that you don't put down for your characters before you start writing necessarily. You sort of go, I know who this person is in my head, or I can hear their voice, but you never 
put that down on paper or articulate it before the fact. So I don't know how beneficial or detrimental that would, would be to the work now. I've always done that with my characters. Like I've always drawn them a lot or like known who they are and how they grew up. Even stuff that like doesn't affect the like stuff that you wouldn't even know in the comic is like maybe I should figure out like what's their favorite food or like what's their morning routine. Like I, I like knowing these things about my characters because they make it more makes them more real. Mm -hmm. And then the more real I can make them to me, the more real it'll be for like the, the reader. Hopefully, the better the story will be. Yeah, and the better the it's just gonna feel more like an immersive you know reading experience and books that I have as an artist when you get a character and you have to design that character like you don't have you don't have time and you have to design them on the page it's the worst because you feel like you're just like I don't even know who this person is and I'm drawing them and like I don't to me reading the script I'll get like the gist of it but I have to like feel like I know them a little more um, like what's their personality and like what kind of gestures do they make like do they talk with their hands do they have any weird like visual tics that they do like what's you know do they smell bad like what's the, <laughs> like do, are these things that i can communicate and um, <coughs> sometimes i feel like the deadlines are so tight in comics that you don't get to really explore that but when i do i always try and know those things about the character but that's not stuff that goes into my D, &D character though weirdly it's like different different sides of your brain yeah my storytelling brain for comics is different than my storytelling brain for D and D because for comics I'm talking to the readers, um, and with with D and D it's like a small group of friends and we're just like kind of playing around with each other and there's like a different group dynamic because it's like how does my character act with these other characters and it's you know it's different than being in your own head and trying to write a story. I don't know. Yeah, like the, the fact that you know around the day. This is why I wouldn't want. I mean. I wouldn't want our games to be broadcast because we're not trying to entertain a mass audience, we're just yeah. trying to entertain each other. Yeah. And it's almost like a little theatre that uh, the audience is, is the play kind of thing. I mean, it's just purely for each other's enjoyment, you know, and it's like a little shared, a little shared thing, you know, but it would, if, if it was being recorded and broadcast, we would probably play very differently and it would probably make it a lot more stale, I imagine. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that with uh, so much of my work is like for other people, like the enjoyment of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to communicate a thing. And this is nice, because like, I don't have to communicate at all. And like, you know, we drink a lot on air game, and we, you know, it's like a time to like relax, it's Sunday night, you know what I mean? Like, we're just, we're, we're not trying to uh, entertain anybody else except each other, yeah. It does feel like a, um, rather than a top-down approach to world building, which is what a lot of us tend to adopt when creating new worlds to tell stories, it feels like a very much more bottom-up, immersive experiment. I, mean, I play a lot of video games, right? And my wife is significantly better at this than I am. When you are playing an RPG and you're invited to create a character rather than playing as somebody else, those are the stories I tend to enjoy because I like to step outside my own life. My wife loves to create these characters, and she loves all the crunchy, you know, let's update this weapon and get the new one, all that stuff. But what amazes me is when playing as a character who is not herself, she is given a choice which is not the choice she would take, and she will take the choice that the character would take. And I'm going, no, that's the wrong choice. She will put my character would choose that, so I have to do that. And I can't do that. But when you are creating stories about characters, when you're writing comics, you've spent hours creating your world and all the rest of it, you have to be able to do that. You have to be able to have your characters deal with the world they inhabit 
with emotional honesty. So the choices they make are not the same as the choices you make. This feels like a good way of exercising these muscles. Yeah, it's kind of like honesty to character rather than optimizing to maximize your ability to succeed in the game kind of thing. You know, it's almost like yeah. deliberately giving a character handicaps, um, but, but it, it feels more honest and true to the character. Selma, yeah, I, I relate to what you're saying there about, you know, when you get those choices, but also with what you were saying before where, I, I don't know, I'm reading into it, I'll often make the characters close to being me or my idealized me. So I'll be like, I like to think I'm kind, but I, I'm, you know, even kinder in the game within reason, you know, in that I can still do all the decapitations or whatever needs to be done <laughs> in the moment. But, you know, in general, when, when you can be kind, be kind or, or whatever. And, I, I, don't, I don't want to play the version of me because I'm a jerk. I want, to, I want anybody but me. That's why I role play to get away from that. Uh, yeah, I, could just be my own hang-up, but yeah, like so. I was saying, it's it's where, where you get to these choices, and it's like you have to make the right choice. And I'm like, I will make the right choice because this is me. I I find it hard to play the character that's not me that would choose the the other. Um, which yeah, I, I guess I'd just be a really rubbish actor. I think is the <laughs> the idea with that. Um, now it it sounds as though you guys have already got it spot on, but uh, in terms of the balance, I was going to say work-life balance, but in this case it's sort of work RPG balance. Do you feel that you are able to keep them separate and therefore it remains a, an outlet and something that is other to your work? Yeah, totally. Uh, it's like I say, it's, it's my kind of it's my form of escapism. You know, comics used to be my escapism, and now uh, now it's now it's role playing. So I don't want there to be any crossover between kind of real life and work and the table. I at the table it's kinda of like that's the one place I just get to forget everything else. Mm. You know, so I d I don't want it to cross over. But yeah, and it's kind of like I'm lucky because I've, I've sort of we've boiled it down to a really good group and we've got like, you know, we've got a friend who kind of has a room basically devoted or two friends actually with rooms devoted just to, to, to gaming in. You know, and because we've got a regular I mean doing it twice a week is kind of a lot, frankly. Uh, you know, and I've got kids and deadlines and all the rest of it. But, you know, we have kind of carved out this space. And, you know, it's like trying to get a group together. It's like, it's like herding cats. But because it's a regular thing, we, at the same time, the same place every week. And if somebody can't make it, then they might be able to Skype in or something like that. And if they're not there, we'll just steamroll ahead and like that, that, that character is... Does it work when somebody Skypes it? Does it change? Yeah, like I did it from Uncle M this year. You know, it's kind of like Sunday night. I'm sat in my hotel room, you know, like... Got to, got to be Flynn Six Finger, I don't care, I'm in France. Um, and it, it, it works pretty, it's not ideal obviously, but it's okay, When we, we don't use Roll20 or anything, I just I just brought my dice with me. Yeah. Just. We play online because our group is spread all over. Um, and there's people in the same city as us where it's like, oh, we wanna, we've played uh, like one-off games and like short games with other people in the city. And then there's friends of ours who's like, we really wanna play, but finding the time every week is very difficult for getting, you know, getting people's schedules to like sync up can be really hard. So the Roll20 has been great, and we just do like Google Chat, and you know by you know by the end of the session, you know no one can hear each other because we're all like shouting at the same time. <laughs> but it just ends up being kind of fun, you know. And it's it's easier because then there's no travel time. You're just like you just load up, and everyone's just chatting. We do like thirty minutes of catch up every week, and then get get to roll in some dice. Now, I want to see if we can get to one or two questions quickly in a moment, so kind of get your thinking caps on or, or uh, you know, if you've got them, have them ready. Last thing I wanted to ask, and it might cover some of your questions, is basically um, what advice would you have for people that are wanting to get into this and explore this world? What tips could you give them in terms of, you know, pitfalls or things that you learned? Uh, well, obviously the first tip I would give you would be to buy my thing. <laughs> For charity, that's like I said. There's a link at the beginning of this to the the free basic rules uh, for D and D. 
Uh, we, we kind of, like my friend Phil printed them out and we've got them on the table upstairs and it's like 180 pages long. And there was this kind of, uh, a mom who wanted to, was interested in getting her kid into it. She's like, I've never read a book that long. Where it's like, do I have to learn all of this? It's like, no, the, the bit that says how to play the game is five pages long, okay? And everything else is options and choices. So the first thing I would say to people is, you know, don't be put off by these big, you know, giant hardback books. You don't have to learn all of that stuff. You know, you can just, you know, and you, can, you don't even have to make your own character. You can just pick a pre-generated character, download a PDF from the D&D website. And so, you know, it looks really scary and intimidating if you haven't played it before, but actually just, you know, like watch some people play it on YouTube or something like that. You realize that mostly it's just making stuff up and occasionally rolling a dice, you know. Um, so yeah, like check out the basic rules is the best place to start. Thank you. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's some of it is uh, finding the right people to play with as well. Yeah. And if you have a small group of friends that's like, you know, said let's let's try it out, you know, it could be like a fun, you know, if you have a, if you have a board game group or something, it might be like a fun change of pace for a little bit. Um, it, it's so much of it is the people you play with. You really want to be able to trust them and like have a, a DM that's like, you know, if if you're doing it or if you have a friend who's doing it, like having them open to like, you know, what kind of game do you want to play? Is it going to be like numbers, a numbers game, or is it going to be like a little more like RPG kind of style? I don't know. We've had to like, I mean, we haven't kicked anyone out really, but we've had players in the game. We've we've changed a few players every once in a while to like in the in the beginning, just because it wasn't working. It wasn't like. You know, they they were trying to do something. They wanted something different out of the game than everyone else did, yeah. and it kind of made the game a little difficult at points. And then and then you end up arguing, and it's that's not what, really what you want. Yeah, I think the chemistry is really important. Uh, I when I got back into it a few years ago, it was at my local comic shop. They had like a spare room upstairs where they would run these weekly games, and they'd seen me tweeting about wanting to get back into role playing. So they just invited me to come and join them. And apart from the guy who owned the shop, I didn't know any of these guys at all. Um, but you know, we've, we've now become firm friends. So the group is people I didn't know five years ago. Um, but because there were various different groups with the various different interests at the shop, we kind of it kind of boiled it down to the people who, like you say, like certain styles of role playing. You know, and like so the the, the guys I play with now, uh, like two games, but basically an, over, an overlapping group. Uh, it just feels like the right mix, mix of chemistry. But there's other guys who really want to do Doctor Who or Star Trek or really want to do Warhammer, and they're kind of off doing their thing. And we're all still friends, but. That this is this is our style, you know, and we're kind of very happy just keeping it where it is right now. Mm. Um, yeah. And and Cy, as the the person who is sort of the you know newbie's point of view in, how, what would you sort of say from from your experience? Last I, time? Do, I, I don't know. This is what I'm listening as yeah. I mean, I. I guess the next step I have to take is find a group and you can yeah. come join us. You know, if you wanna... It's kind of a revelation that you can do it not all being in the same room. That's, yeah. that's yeah. basically Be a guest on one of our one of our games one day. The, the other thing I'd just add as well is that, you know, the beauty of technology is that you can find someone that does live in your city or your area who wants to play a game but that you don't know already. Uh, and I know for me in the early days of the internet, that was how it started again in Australia. I found a guy that just really wanted to DM a game for someone. Um, and, and the only ones we could find were just me and him. But he just DM'd my own personal game Correct. that went for months. And we'd never known each other before. We had zero friendship or relationship outside of that. But we played very well together. Uh, and, and it worked until I moved away. So it, it was fantastic. Uh, I think 
unless I get corrected, we've got time for maybe one question. We can do it. And we've got it right here. Um, we've just re recently played um, a D&D game based around the Labyrinth comic Great. that one of our friends wrote. So my question to you is, if you could D&D um, in a world or a universe other than D the typical D&D, what would it be? That's a good question. Oh, no. So many worlds. Uh, I, I, it's probably a slightly boringly obvious answer, but I'd quite like to do the Game of Thrones one. Uh, I know that there is a Game of Thrones role-playing game, which I haven't tried, but I was thinking of trying to... I, I, I've got no head for learning new rules. It's taken me like five years to learn the rules of D&D, &D and I've, no, I've got no more mental RAM left to learn anything else. But I have thought I would like to try and run a game set in during like, the, the, the events of the, the story of Game of Thrones, where it's called Band of Bastards, where like the, the players would be, they'd be kind of like mercenaries or like, you know, lesser sons or bastards from like minor noble houses who are kind of recruited by some dodgy maester to go and get involved in all the intrigues going on behind the scenes of the stuff we've seen of Game of Thrones. That's a good idea. Going to the ruins of Valyria or planting the knife uh, or, you know, little touch points from the main show. Um, but yeah, then I, and then, yeah, exactly, exactly. But but more bloodthirsty. Um, and then I realised how much work that would be, and I'm like, nah. But, but it, it's, it's, it's a nice little idea, I think. Uh, it's a very good question. I I was going to say Blade Runner. There may well already be such a thing, and the reason I would have said that is because it is there such a thing? Well, specifically that world is what I would do because it. Blade Runner typifies a, a thing, a storytelling thing for me, which is that it's a functional world where you can tell small stories that don't necessarily affect the, the world. Which I think is, but then I started, I can imagine a really cool one being set during the Martian occupation, during the War of the Worlds. Like Victorian resistance story with whacking great stompy stompy tripods, that'd be fun. Anyway, I'm, nonsense, go. If I could go back in time and run a campaign for my teenage self, I would probably do like an X-Men campaign maybe, <laughs> and see like, oh, we gotta go to the Savage Land, or like, go to Genosha, like, it would be nerdy, and it would be great, because then you could like, choose your power, and like, think of, think of the would characters you, you could make. Or would you, like, I would be a Morlock, for okay. sure. <laughs> yeah, or, I, or I'd just be one of the weirdos from the Savage <laughs> Land. <laughs> Who knows? Well, and, and that kind of works out as the, the perfect way, I think, where you talk about being weirdos. I, I think the, the thing we'd said earlier was uh, something like this panel would be weird but concise. And, and although our timekeeper here may slightly agree, uh, disagree, should I say, we, we have mostly been concise uh, but definitely weird. Uh, so thank you very much for joining us all today, and especially thank you to our panel. Uh, go and buy Andy's um, campaign after this. That is your mission. Thank you very much. Thank you.